You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Uh, we are going through the liturgy today. We find ourselves in Hebrews, mostly 11, but we're going to creep two sentences into Hebrews 12. Uh, I would love to read the whole passage to you, but uh, the author of Hebrews, whoever he or she is, um, has a whole lot of Bible verses that she references, <laughs> and I should say she, uh, references throughout this, this book. Uh, making lots of notes of the ways throughout history in which people have been faithful and God has blessed them and watched out for them in return. Uh, so let me read the first paragraph and then we're going to skip ahead. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. All right, then the author is going to go through Abel and how he was faithful, and then Abraham and how he was faithful. And then they're going to go on to talk about Isaac and Joseph and Moses and the Red Sea and Israel until finally after several paragraphs of making Bible references of faithful people throughout Scripture, they just start summarizing. They say, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. So, so far we've had these like really celebratory look at the faithfulness of these people and the ways in which God helped them overcome that even when they're tossed into a lion's den or into fires, they survive. But we also recognize that sometimes people don't survive and we end up mirroring or echoing the cross. Sometimes faithfulness does call us and to death. And so the author also changes in that route to recognize that faithfulness sometimes does go the other way, but we find our, our uh, uh, reward on the other side. They were stoned. They were killed with the sword. They, were about in skin, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
They have a very different look at persecution in the Bible, Christian persecution, than we have today. We think that when laws change that seem unchristian, that we're being persecuted and Starbucks needs to change their red cups and these kind, you know, like the things, again, that we fight about in America that we call persecution, it's not persecution. God is not up in heaven very upset about the way that, that like, our, our politics have, have changed and, and in the, like, extents to which we think they're demeaning us. Because God has a glimpse of history of Christians who are truly persecuted. God is able to zoom out and see the rest of the world. Where being in another country, being a Christian, likely could mean the death of you. But God looks for faithfulness. It's, again, I've talked about it many times before, but it's that Greek word, pistis. When we hear that word, we often just think like, I believe, therefore, that is what Christianity is. I believe Jesus is real, end of story. But pistis means so much more. It's a word that carries all kinds of connotations. Yes, it does mean belief. It means believing that God's going to pull you through even when times are hard. It means believing that God is real, sure. But it's also, it's actions. If you are, are engaging in in pistis with God, then you are performing actions for him to show that you have faith in him. Or maybe another way that we say the word is faithfulness. We are faithful to him as he is faithful to us. Matthew Bates chose a word that he thought was better in English for pistis than faith, because faith, we often just think of belief. Matthew Bates said allegiance. It's allegiance to God in all things. You are saved by your allegiance. When he asks you to do something, you do it. When he asks you to believe in him, you believe in him. The things that you do where you live, work, and play, you're operating out of your allegiance to God rather than your allegiance to something else. And these examples in here are, are people, Hebrews uses a bunch of examples of people that, that really messed up their allegiance a lot. But still, nonetheless, they kept their allegiance to God. Like we often talk about Abraham as though he had it all together. Jacob as though he had it all together. But have you read their stories? Those guys messed up a lot. Jacob eventually got gut punched by God. <laughs> kind of as a way of waking him up. Jacob, you have tried so many other ways to get my blessing. Just believe in me and I will give it to you. Abraham. Abraham went a lot of wrong different ways attempting to get God's blessing. Yet these people were still considered allegiant to God. They still kept their eyes on him even in their failures. And that's, that's a good word for us too. Because we make a lot of failures. We make a lot of mistakes. But are you allegiant? Do you get back up every time and follow after God? Because Abraham did that. Jacob did that. And the list goes on of people who failed but continued to do that, continued to chase after God. And you just never know what might happen. The list of, of stories that uh, uh, come up in this particular passage in Hebrews, it's just stories after stories of the ways in which God showed up. Miraculous ways. You never think that walking around a building seven times 
quietly, which must have been the most disturbing thing in the world after he got over the, the humorous look of it, and then just erupting in noise would, would take a city down. Yet as people remained allegiant to God, God showed up in incredible ways. That's one of the stories Hebrews tells. And you have those stories too. Stories that would encourage other people to share it with them. Stories where you stayed allegiant, you stayed faithful all the way to the bitter end and God showed up. Just like Brian was talking about the tree, that's part of the story here at 1208. We stayed allegiant, we stayed faithful. That's been a word that God has put on my heart over and over and over again over the last two to three years is just, Jamin, just be faithful. Be faithful, let me do my part, be faithful. That's hard because you don't always see what's coming. I remember when I was in college, uh, I did a lot with music and uh, churches never recognized me for like trying to be a pastor or preaching because in their eyes, I was always just the worship leader, the musician. So I wasn't really given a lot of space to try to learn if pastoring made sense. I just felt this call, like this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and there I am trying to be faithful in school, trying to, to study into being a pastor, yet at the same time feeling like, am I going to graduate and just this is going to go nowhere? And then there was a stranger I didn't know. His name was Don Norrie. And I got to know him a little bit, but at that time I didn't know him at all. And he asked the worship band to put down their instruments and come up so that he could pray for us. And, and he put his fingers on my guitar and said, this is your weapon right now. And then touched my lips and said, but this will be your weapon in the future. There I was in the midst of trying to be faithful to God, trying to walk toward ministry, but also feeling like this is never going to work. And yet God speaks into the midst of it. And how many times he's shown up since then to do similar things. There was a model we did years ago called Dinner Church. But before we got to that one, it felt like everything was going to fall apart. In fact, we were kind of given an ultimatum at that point. Like, you either need to try something new or the church is closing down. And during that time, I went up to get prayer from a, a pastor at a camp. And he looked at me and said, you need to have the faith of Caleb. And I couldn't even really remember what story that was. Caleb sounded too English for me to remember where that was in the Bible. So I open my Bible and I get to Numbers and it's a story of how Caleb is the only one of the spies to go into the promised land and he sees the Nephilim. Yeah, I always bring it up, I know. He sees the giants and he's the only one willing to say, we could take them out. God, God can cover us, let's go, let's be faithful. Everyone else freaked out, they're like, we're not going there. Of course God would use a giant reference to get me with a, a word there. But that became like another moment of of stepping forward and so we did the cherry blossom tree was another one stay faithful stay faithful you have those stories too and there's been stories not only in the bible of what god does with our faithfulness but there's stories all throughout the world and i've shared a lot of them before and i think of heidi baker Someone who I, I love to reflect on because she has this PhD in theology. She's ready to, to teach kind of high class type things. And then God just sends her to Mozambique to reach people who don't even know who Jesus is. A place where theology is not really going to go that far. 
Yeah, she starts to reach kids. She starts to reach children. They end up getting this building, and they're, they're able to bring in kids and, and give them homes within this building. And they start teaching them about Jesus, but they didn't want to, uh, the, the, the surrounding people start hearing that the word of Jesus is getting out, and so they start threatening Heidi Baker. They put out a, they put out a, uh, um, what's the thing? Are you going to kill someone? A what? A warrant? Warrant? What? What? I hit. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to take out. I'm sorry. I don't know enough about murder, unlike the rest of you. (laughs) They have a a hit out for Heidi Baker. And so eventually she has to leave. And all the kids that stick behind, they continue to try to praise Jesus. But now the new teachers start abusing them for that. And so they start to leave the school and they start showing up at Heidi Baker's house, tiny little house. Over time, there's now 50 kids either living inside the house or in the yard in tents, wherever they can camp out. How are you supposed to feed them? How are you supposed to take care of them? A friend brings over some chili and they're just trying to be faithful. And there's only enough chili for Heidi and her kids and her husband. Except somehow it feeds all 50 kids as well. We know that story. We've heard that kind of story before. Heidi just remained faithful to God and managed to supernaturally replenish chili until she fed everybody around. And she kept leaning into a word that God gave her way before is that you're going to heal blind eyes. And so she prayed for every blind person she saw. And she always, she always talks so sadly. She's like, they all got saved, but nobody got healed. A bad day for Heidi Baker is a good day for us. <laughs> but Heidi continued to pray for blind eyes. I think for like a year, maybe longer, until one day somebody's white, uh, just kind of like crossed over eyes just suddenly turned a dark brown right in front of her. And she was healed. She could see. And then they went and prayed for another blind person later that day, and they were healed, and they could see. And the next day, they went to a city, and they called people forward. Are there any blind people here? They prayed, and they saw. And now that's just a constant tactic. Go into cities, pray for people, let everybody see the people healed, and then tell them about Jesus. Those are powerful things. That's why we pray for healing. That's why we have a whole reveal conference going on on healing this year. Because we believe as we're faithful, as we press in, God might pour out. And sometimes there's that testing phase for that. John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Church, he had the same thing. They prayed for healing for people in church every week and nothing happened until after about a year. Suddenly something clicked. And I just have this burning in my heart that God is up to something big here at 1208 this year. And as we're faithful to him, we might see the fullness pour out. Stories of other people being faithful. Ravi, uh, Ravi was about to take his own life when God saved him in that moment. Stopped him from doing that. Saved him. And ever since that day, Ravi wakes up and is given seemingly audible instructions from God about what he is supposed to do every day. 
And so he wakes up and he, he heads out to a village because God told him how to get there, where he was going, and to preach the gospel. And he shows up and he says, there's supposed to be a white bridge ahead of us, something like that. They see the bridge, they cross the bridge. They get to that point and a bunch of people with machetes come as they see that there's this random stranger in their town who's come to preach the gospel and Ravi just preaches. He doesn't know what God has in mind. It's kind of like the Jonah story. Jonah doesn't know what God has already set up ahead of him. He's just asking Jonah to be faithful and walk into it. And when everyone in Nineveh repents, which was very unusual, you see that God had already primed the space. It was the same thing for Ravi. He sets into that space. He could die. There's people with machetes everywhere. But instead, some of them talk about how blessed they were that he was there, that they have this religious festival coming up, except now some of them are starting to believe in Jesus. What do you think that religious festival was like now that they kind of lead that in a few weeks? That was him, just walking in faithfulness. And as he walked more, he was able to see more of what God was up to. Brother Yun was put in a high uh, maximum security prison you cannot get out of this place. He had to pass too many check marks, yet one day he woke up, his legs were broken, and he knew that God was telling him, today's the day you need to leave the prison. How's he going to do that? Well, he just starts walking. And as he starts to get to the first checkpoint, the door is kind of opened up as a friend is going through, and he just kind of walks through with him as the phone rings and somebody seems to pick it up. And then he just keeps walking. And now eventually he's at the front door and things he says were just unusual all around him. And then he seemingly, it's as though he was invisible. He just kind of walked right out of the prison as a taxi cab pulled up and he got in it <laughs> and he left. And he went to a friend's house because he didn't know where else to go. As he pulls up, I think it's the daughter that answers the door. She's like, ah, yeah, we were expecting you. Mom was praying and knew that you were going to be here today. We've already planned things up. Uh, you need to go to this area where we've kind of created a shelter for you to hide low for a while. <laughs> what? So they go outside and they realize that there's like police set up everywhere. They're looking for him. He's able to get on a bike and kind of find a way to that shelter, at which point he realizes his legs are working, which have been broken before this moment, but now he's riding a bicycle. Like these kinds of stories, they're strange, but it's the kind of things that sometimes happen when we just step in faithfulness with what God's calling us to do. Brother Yun was sure he was going to die. And he just prayed, Father, please receive my life into your hands, unless you have another plan here. And he was able to, to walk in forward with what God wanted to do. Where is your faith? Where is your faithfulness? Where is your allegiance? The characters in the Bible messed up a lot. I do too. So do you. But even throughout all the pain, even throughout all the bad decisions, even throughout all the sin, we see that God remains faithful to us when we remain faithful to him. So we rise up time and time again, and we choose him. And the kinds of stories from my own life that, that attest to God's greatness, 
those kind of stories only came about as I demonstrated my faithfulness to him, as I pressed into the things that I knew he was calling me to. And that will be the same for you. As you press in, even when you don't get it, even when you don't understand, even when you think you might die, even if you do die, even then he is still faithful. Because the promises which are to come is resurrection life when heaven and earth are made into one unit and we're given bodies also made of heaven and earth to live immortally forever. As a blessing for God's children. And there is nothing that can get in the way of that, not height nor depth, not angels or demons. Because when you find yourself walking in the faithfulness of God, his love is bigger than anything that can come your way. I have a little catchphrase I used for a while. The worst they can do is kill you. You'll be back. So walk in faithfulness. See the greater things. God respects that and steps into our lives in those moments. We're going to close out with uh, one song. It's one that I wrote uh, a little while back. And it's a song about uh, Francis of Assisi. If you know anything about Francis of Assisi, the general gist is this. The guy took Jesus seriously when Jesus talked about selling all your stuff, giving it to the poor, and just living uh, without really any security. The guy sold everything, gave it all away, and then just followed God. And now, today, we have something called the Franciscan Order. It's a part of the Catholic Church. That all came out of his movement. People started seeing how faithful he was to God. And there were actually other crazy people that were like, we want to be like that too. And so they started following Francis. They gave up all their stuff. And Francis, who never wanted to make a movement out of it, suddenly found himself having to make a movement out of it as people took those words seriously. And God provided every step of the way. And so I'm singing one last song for you to kind of meditate on as we close up here. It's just a chance for you to think about his life that as he stepped into the fullness of, of insecurity, God met him every step of the way and took care of him. What might it be like if we did the same? <laughs>